Hi, this is Mark. I'm one of the senior pastors from Hope Church Malmesbury. I want to personally thank you for downloading or listening online to this sermon cast from Hope Church. We, we share these messages because they really spoke to us. We value their, their content and uh, the anointing that's upon them. And I pray that they bring a fresh revelation of God's love for you today. And if you're able to support the work of Hope Church and the cost of sharing these messages online, then you can go to our website, www.thehope.church give and follow the instructions on that page. And if you're every mum's on a Sunday morning, you will always receive a very warm welcome at Hope Church. And now, let's join today's message. Oh, hello, we're live already. Sorry, lost track of time. Hello, and thank you for joining me. Welcome back to Hope Online. This is The Promise and the Purpose, episode number 34. The title is Choose Kindness. Wow, episode 34. For 34 weeks, I've been up here in the International Space Station looking down on y'all. You know, there's been other wannabes have tried to come up here, but they've not come close. I saw Richard Branson the other day, way down below. Hello, Richard, didn't quite make it up this high. And last week, Jeff Bezos, the Amazon billionaire, he got closer in his rocket ship, but he didn't reach these lofty heights. No, only the truly righteous attain the third heaven. <laughs> okay, but it is now time to come back down to earth. Because from next week, from next week, our online services are going to change because we are going to be back live in the room at our usual venue, Malmesbury School. And if, if you want to watch online, if you can't be with us in person in the morning, the recording of the Sunday morning service will, will be available Sunday afternoon. So if you plan to join us at the school, okay, the service will start at 10 30. That's half an hour later than usual, okay? 10.30. Just turn to the next person next to you, give them a nudge and say, did you write that down? It's starting at 10.30 next week. Yeah, we should go, we should. Write it down, 10.30, put it in the diary. You know, it's been great to be able to get outside and support our hospitality industry again. They've had a really rough 18 months. As you know, my sister uh, works in it as well. So on Friday, I went to McDonald's. I mean, I wasn't too hungry, so I ate a kid's meal. It wasn't so bad, but his mum was really furious. But I've just signed up for Noom. Have you heard Noom, that little app that helps you lose weight? Yeah, yeah. So it's got a built-in uh, coach that asks you, what are your weight loss goals? Okay, so I said, I want to be able to, be able to bend over and tie my shoelaces and breathe at the same time. Come on, am I the only one? Am I the only one? Right. So... Moving swiftly on, we need to choose kindness. Don't forget, choose kindness. So turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6 as we continue our slow walk through the book of Luke and Acts. Every single word, every single promise, understanding the purpose of Jesus. Okay, so Luke chapter 6 verse 1, it goes like this. So on a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them between their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? So Jesus answered them. He said, Well, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How they entered into the house of God and they ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone but the priests to eat. 
and gave it also to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So today's passage is a continuation of this running battle that's been going on between Jesus and the religious establishment of the day, especially the sect of the Pharisees. You might recall over the previous weeks we saw how the Pharisees, the objected, when Jesus forgave the sins of that disabled man who was lowered down through the roof of his friend's house. They complained when Jesus spent time with Matthew the tax collector and his band of social outcasts. They thought that God's people should only mix with good people, rather than trying to help the lost ones become God's good people, which is what Jesus proved to be all about. The Pharisees questioned and criticised that Jesus' disciples didn't fast like they did, or like they ought to, according to the way the Pharisees saw the world. And today we read how the Pharisees are once more telling the Son of God that he is doing it all wrong, that his disciples are breaking the law. What are they saying? Verse 2. Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Here's the thing. The point of the law is not to provide a way for us to please God through our obedience. It's simply a a, a signpost for the heart of understanding to clarify what sin looks like. You know, there there was no commandment number six, thou shall not kill, when Cain murdered Abel. But it was still wrong and Cain was punished for his sin. When Moses went up onto Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments and all of the law, written on two tablets of stone by the very finger of God, that story in itself perfectly illustrates why the law exists, to define what sin looks like so we can avoid it. So picture the scene. Moses is gone up the mountain. He's been communing with God. There is thunder, there is smoke, there is lightning crashing on the holy mountain. God lays out for Moses the rules of how Jewish society will operate, how Israel is going to make their own day-to-day decisions instead of simply obeying their Egyptian masters, how they can make good choices in this newfound freedom that they have. Now, God gave Moses ten commandments. And commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, duh, You know, I mean, who was it who parted the Red Sea? Who was it who drowned Pharaoh's army? It was Yahweh, okay? But commandment number two, just in case commandment number one wasn't clear enough, don't make any other idols to other gods to worship. You know, if I'd been Moses, at this point I would have been thinking, "Uh, excuse me, Yahweh, sir, uh, I think you might be stating the obvious here. I mean, you saved us. You beat Egypt, you know, the plagues and the parting of the sea. There was water from rocks and food falling down from the sky. I I think we know who we should be worshipping. And then Moses comes down from the mountain with his two tablets of law inscribed by the finger of God. And what does he find? That Israel had made for themselves a new God, an idol out of gold in the shape of a calf. And they were worshipping it right there at the bottom of Yahweh's holy mountain. You know, Moses was so mad, he got the tablets of the law of the sun and he threw them on the ground, smashing them into pieces. 
It might be tempting as you reflect on that story to think, well, there you go then. People need rules to make them behave. God gets mad when we break the rules. But if you think like that, if you think like that, then you're thinking like a Pharisee. You see, God does not want us to obey the law. <laughs> Hear me out before you start shouting heresy and turning off. Okay, let me get to, let me get to the end of the sentence. God does not want his people to obey the law because they have to obey the law. Right. It's a bit like telling your son to apologise for hitting his sister. <laughs> Comes the glum response. Yeah, it's obedience, but you know his heart isn't in it. Okay. God doesn't want us to not kill each other because the law tells us not to kill each other. God wants us to choose not to kill each other because we recognise and understand that life belongs to God and it's his alone to give and take away. The, the last time I spoke to you, we looked at the story of the, of the feast of, of Matthew or, or, or Levi, as Luke calls him. The feast of the tax collector and the Pharisees, they were complaining about the guest list. Now, when Matthew recounts the story in the gospel that he wrote, he has another little bit of detail to what Jesus said to the Pharisees. And you know, Matthew should know because he was there. Matthew 9 verse 12, it says this. Um, but when, he heard, when Jesus heard the Pharisees complaining, this is what he said. He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, they're the ones who need the physician. So go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is quoting from the prophet Hosea. Hosea 6.6, 6, he says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. You see, mercy is choosing to show compassion. Sacrifice is just obedience. Choose to love because you choose to love, not because you've been told that you have to. This is what God desires from his children. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach the Pharisees. God's not pleased with obedience. He's pleased with the free choice to love because we choose to love. When we choose mercy, when we choose compassion, when we choose justice, we are fulfilling our creation mandate to be images of God, to be like him. The greatest commandment, to love God and to love your neighbour. This sums up the whole law, said Jesus. Yeah, all you need is love, a wise man once sang. And I've been thinking a lot about this this week as we plan to reopen Hope Church and some of the, the practicalities and all the different opinions that are flying around. You know, should, should we wear masks or not? Should we sing or not? Should we even be meeting or not? The one thing I know and talking to friends and colleagues who are pastoring churches as well, they've all found this reality. The one truth about pastoring a church in a pandemic is that you can't please everyone. And that's not because people are unreasonable or mean or daft. It's because in a situation that calls for judgment and local assessments about what is right for 
our church, in our situation, in our location, in our building, with our group of people. Yet reasonably, godly people can still come to different conclusions about how they think things should be done. And some of that is coloured by their own personal experiences, which are all different for everyone. And then you layer on top of that what Lydia and I believe that God is telling us as the pastors of the church. And, you know, we, we obey him first. So I can see with a wry smile, with no doubt God's lovely sense of humour in this week's sermon passage, as we prepare to reopen Hope Church next Saturday, when the Pharisees are turning to Jesus and saying, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And we must not fall into that temptation of starting to think like a Pharisee and starting to put on lots of rules on how people should behave or dress when and how they come to church. So let me just take a, a moment to, to share with you how some of the things about how we're going to organise church when we, when we reopen our doors next Sunday for the first time in, in a year. Now I'll put all the details in an email that will come out later today. But let me just cover, let me cover the highlights and explain to you as your pastor what is kind of motivating some of the decisions that we made. And it all starts with, with when we went to God and, and, and prayed and rested and said, Lord, how do you want your church to operate? It's his church, right? We're just Jews. We just do as we're told. And we took this to God, and this is what he said very clearly. He said, place no rules on my people. Place no rules on my people. And we've spent the last, you know, more than last week, unpacking what that meant. So let me just share with you some of that. First of all, this is a, a key principle that God has laid upon our hearts as well. Freedom is good. Yeah, freedom is good. But kindness is greater. Freedom is good, but kindness is greater. And I want Hope Church to be a place where we promote that as an ethos, where I'm leaning less on my rights to do or not do something and more on a sense of loving kindness towards other people and their needs. You know, Paul says in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, he talks about, I shouldn't behave in such a way that I'm taking my rights and using them in a way that causes someone else to stumble so while Boris has now said I have the freedom not to wear a mask I'm going to choose to do so when I stand up and sing because the scientists tell us that the louder you are whether you're talking or singing the more you spread those particles that carry Covid but more than that Every Saturday, I'm going to take one of those NHS home COVID tests so I can be confident that I'm not bringing anything with me when we gather together that could infect someone else. Now, those tests are free and they take a few minutes. And for most of us, for the majority of us, I'm sure, it is the easiest and the kindest thing that we can do in order to protect one another. Freedom is good, but kindness is greater. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen the news articles about the, the pandemic, where so many people are being forced to self-isolate for, for 10 days when they become in contact with an infected person. And I, I went shopping the other day in Sainsbury's and there was whole sections of the shelves that were just empty. 
And I don't want Hope Church to become a place where people get pinged and then they have to miss work, which means they may uh, lose money. They're not getting paid, especially they're self-employed. Um, they, they might end up having to break promises to people who are relying on them to help and they just can't turn up for two weeks. So God said, place no rules on my people. So this means we won't have someone stood on the door demanding that you put on a mask where you can't come in. No, that's not how we're going to behave. But, but get the point here. Okay, The point of freedom, the point of freedom, and this, I am sure, is the challenge that the Lord is laying before us. The point of freedom is that it gives us the freedom to choose to do the kind thing. The freedom not to judge, the freedom to be kind, the freedom to put the needs and the welfare of someone else before ourselves, the freedom to wear a mask when I sing because I don't want someone else to feel uncomfortable, the freedom not to judge the person who takes their mask off while they're sat listening to the sermon, and the freedom not to judge the person who decides to keep it on from the moment they arrive until the moment they leave. What will we choose to do? with the freedoms that God has given us? Will we show ourselves worthy of the trust? So let's all be sure to go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And the little mercy that Jesus is looking for from the Pharisees when they judged his hungry disciples for plucking some heads of grain. Yeah, they, they, the disciples, they picked some, some grains from the, the top of the stalks as they were walking through the fields. They rubbed them in their hands to remove the outer husk and they were left with these little uh, soft grains on the inside and they, they, they ate them because they were hungry. And the legalistic Pharisees were like, oh, that's, that's harvesting, that's threshing wheat. But neither of those activities are specifically forbidden in the Sabbath law. It simply says, you should not work. So the Pharisees are all, ha-ha, got you, you're working, that's not allowed, sinner, sinner, sinner. And Jesus is all kind of, no. Don't you remember the story of David and what he did when he was hungry? So why don't we quickly read that story? To give you some context, David is not yet king and he's on the run from Saul after Saul had tried to kill him. So this is David's story from 1 Samuel chapter 21 goes like this from verse 1. So David, he went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. He says, why, why are you here alone? Why, why is no one with you? Well, the king, the king has sent me on a private matter, David said. And he told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. So I've told my men where to meet me later. Now, what have you got to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or, or anything else you have. See, David and his men, they're, they're starving. They're on the run from the king. They've got no money. They've not been able to find someone to give them something. And they're, they're hungry. Okay? They're in the middle of the wilderness. They're starving. But the, the priest replies, he says, we don't have any regular bread. But there is the holy bread, which you can have if your young men haven't slept with any women recently. Oh, don't worry, said David. I never allow my men to go off with women when we're on a campaign. And, and since they stay clean, even on ordinary trips, how much more so 
when we're on this one. David's telling a bit of fibs here, isn't he? But anyway, there was and there were the food available in the temple. So the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence that's placed before the Lord on the tabernacle, in the tabernacle. Because it had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. So let's explain what's going on. So the, the sacred bread of the presence is one of the things that's placed in the temple in the holy place. And this bread was replaced with fresh bread every day. And the de- bread that had been there for the previous 24 hours was taken. And that was there, still holy, and only for the priests in the temple. They were the only ones who were allowed to eat it. But David and his men were hungry. Not peckish. Hungry, hungry. Okay. So the priest gave them the bread that is only the priests are allowed to eat, according to the law of Moses. Because both David and the priest recognised that feeding hungry people is more important than keeping ceremonial laws. Feeding hungry people is a more important requirement under the law than the law that says you mustn't work on the Sabbath. This is the point that Jesus is trying to make. You see, love trumps legalism every day of the week love trumps legalism every day of the week and the pharisees they are the og ot experts and jesus i think he's teasing them a bit here and he's saying have you not read that bit about king david are you not familiar with the book of samuel you know the pharisees would have read it they would probably have memorized the whole you know old testament but they clearly not understood it in the way jesus is saying it really means You see, when the Pharisees saw Jesus' disciples gleaning a little lunch from the grain, hungry men needing food, the Pharisees, they're just so quick to point the finger. Ha! Sinners, you broke the rules! When they should have realised that feeding the hungry is more important. Love trumps legalism. And then Jesus, he's like, mic drop. He says to the Pharisees, the son of man is the lord of the sabbath right and that that would have got their attention the son of man you 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 do know who the son of man is right you know the son of man from the prophet daniel he goes like this daniel 7 verse 13 daniel says i saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds there came one who was like a son of man. He came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom and that all peoples and nations and languages would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Now the ancient of days is Yahweh and this other person who comes before him this son of man figure he receives dominion and glory and a kingdom that will never end words and ideas that you will probably recognize from the way Isaiah talks about the coming Messiah in laying claim to the son of man title which is Jesus's preferred way of speaking about himself Jesus is clearly identifying himself with the Messiah figure from Old Testament prophecy Jesus says he is Lord of the Sabbath as well. So what does that mean? What is the Sabbath? What's the thing that he's being Lord of? Well, according to the law of Moses, it is this in Deuteronomy chapter 5. It says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy 
as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servants or your female servants or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner, that's the visitor, is within your gates that your male servant your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. The Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Three most important words in that passage. You shall remember. You shall remember. The purpose of the Sabbath is to make time to remember all that God has done for you to remember the goodness of God. The purpose of the Sabbath is not to lay down a load of laws so that people can obey them and then score some points and gain God's approval. The purpose of the Sabbath is to make, is to make a space for people to focus on their relationship with God, not their relationship with rules. Jesus shows us the goodness of of God. It's this life in all its fullness, a life shared with God, enjoying his goodness, not encumbered by rules, but free to choose to love, not forced to sacrifice, but free to sow mercy, free to show kindness. Freedom is good, but kindness is greater. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that you pour upon us. You set an example of what it means to put someone else's needs above your own. You put our need for salvation uh, above the very life of your son, Jesus. And Lord God, I pray that we will, as Paul commands, live lives worthy of that sacrifice that we will choose kindness that we will show compassion that we will um, consider more highly the needs of others that we will be a good witness in the way that we use the freedoms that we have Lord God I pray that in all that we do your name is glorified I pray Lord God in all that we do your kingdom is extended the body is built up As Jesus prayed, I pray right now for unity, that we would be one in the body and that we would be protected from the lies and the wiles of the devil who seeks to sow dissension and disunity and gossip. Lord God, we thank you that we have the privilege and the opportunity to be able to gather together to worship with you next week whether we decide to gather in person or whether we continue to join in online in the afternoon lord god we know that so many of our brothers and sisters around the world do not even have that freedom that they live in lands that are still under severe lockdown or they live in lands where it is not even legal to gather and worship so lord god i pray that we are responsible stewards of this privilege that you've given us and that you will be glorified in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' glorious, mighty, holy name.
Amen. Amen. So next week, we are meeting in person on Sunday morning. At what time? 10.30. 10.30 at Marmsey School. The service will be recorded and uploaded on the Hope Church website as quickly as we can on Sunday afternoon. So if you can't join us live in the room, you can watch the service on demand a few hours after it finishes. I'll get it done for you as quick as we can. Now, until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Until we meet again, be good, be happy, be healthy, be holy. And we'll see you for sure next week. Bye for now.